Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another live post-game recap for the 2022-23 season here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. And, of course, follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Dime Dropper Pod, and check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And for those of you who are listening on that, I'm going to do the Laker game first because I was going to start out by doing the Clippers-Kings game first because it technically came first being on Saturday night and the Laker game just finished. But this Laker game was too good not to get into. So I'm going to get into that one first and then the Clipper game. Once I get to the Clipper game, I'll be reading comments. But for the Laker game, I got to stay locked in because there were so many great things to talk about. Not if you're a Laker fan, though, unfortunately. I can already see the people in the live chat are not pleased with what happened, but let's get right to it. The Lakers looking for their first win of the season today against the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers come into the game 2-0 and and looking to stay undefeated. The Blazers beat the Kings at Sacramento and then beat the Phoenix Suns in Portland, and obviously the Lakers lost to the Warriors and the Clippers. So this was the first game that I had before the season, the Lakers winning. And they totally blew a golden opportunity to get their first win of the season with this choke job. And I am an experienced vet when it comes to choke jobs and analyzing them and breaking them down, as Clipper fans know all too well, sadly. But let's get right into it. Same starting lineup for the Lakers. Nothing changed for the Blazers. You have Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, and Josh Hart. Talked about this lineup in the preseason for Locked On Clippers. And one thing I noticed about that is it's kind of undersized, but technically based on comparing it to the Laker lineup, it's around the same. you got two smaller guards in the backcourt. In the Lakers' case, it's Russ and Bev. In the Blazers' case, it's Simons and Damian Lillard. And then you have a two-guard playing the three with Josh Hart and Lonnie Walker. And obviously, you know Josh Hart's defensive capabilities, but Lonnie Walker is somebody who I wasn't experienced with when it comes to his defense, and he's a better defender than I thought. He hustles. He's clearly motivated. And one thing I got to say about the Lakers and the way they started this game the defensive intensity and motivation right now on that end is very high. Darvin Ham clearly made this an emphasis, and they're actually showing it out there. So shout out to him, and the Laker defense has been really solid. There were a lot of strips early in the game. You saw Patrick Beverly guarding Damian Lillard, LeBron James guarding Jeremy Grant, just everybody guarding their matchup. On the pick and rolls, you know AD's going to go into drop coverage because he's so good at playing both guys, and Yusuf Nurkic isn't a lob threat in the slightest. But Simons and Damian Lillard, you really got to step out on them coming off those screens. But the Lakers are getting steals, and they led 12-4 early. AD had four points. Russ had an and one going to his left. Still had a couple of chippies, Russ, and even AD a little bit in that first quarter. But Russ mainly throughout the game missed chippies going to the basket. And, I mean, that's something we've seen a lot in his time with the Lakers. 
Damian Lillard started out 0 for 4, which was part of the reason the Lakers took that 12-4 lead, but he started getting going after that. He made a three. Actually, no, he started out by blowing by Pat Bev and getting to the rim for a layup, and then he started hitting his jump shot. And one thing I really noticed about the Blazers today, which was really interesting, was that Chauncey Billups was out there calling plays and calling sets like it's a college game. Like in the NBA, you normally see coaches kind of let the players call stuff. Occasionally on a dead ball, they'll call a set that they want to run. But for the most part, it's free-flowing. Chauncey was like, the players were turning around looking at him like it was college. That was I found that pretty intriguing. And one thing I noticed of the about the Blazers offense, you know, Damian Lillard has been improving his off-ball skills, I think, the last couple of years. But today I really noticed... Great off-the-ball movement from Dame. Some Iverson cuts going from right to left, taking the screen, coming off screens constantly, and just some decent spontaneous movement at times as well. But using screens well off the ball, like a Steph Curry, you know, don't take that literally, but like in a Steph Curry fashion, I should say. Not as much running, not nearly as much movement without the ball. But he was doing it more than his normal self. So I thought, at least at least the normal self that I've seen in, in years past. If you're a Blazers fan and he was doing that in 2021 and I just didn't see it as much, then you can let me know in the comments. But 14 points in the first quarter for Dame. And the Lakers started going ice cold, especially when they went to their bench. And LeBron, I've noticed in a lot of these games, all three of them really, he's been fairly passive in the first half, and he started this strategy last season when he was when they got Westbrook. In the first half, he'd be a little passive in terms of on-ball creation, but what he's actually been passive on at times in the first quarters in this season has been just shots, period. But his on-ball creation, he's kind of tried to take a little bit of a backseat because he's got Beverly and Westbrook in the starting lineup, but second halves, he's gone really LeBron mode, and that was no different today. So he had only shot three shots in the first quarter, and I think he had only made one of them, and then... With Damian Lillard scoring his 14 points, that gave the Blazers that lead. But the Lakers, the reason why they couldn't sustain it and they blew an eight-point lead, and I know eight is nothing in the NBA today, but they did not have – or their bench is just not good. They have no shooting. And again, comical, comical three-point shooting numbers for the Lakers in this game. They were six for 33. That's 18 percent I mean it does not get much worse for these first three games for a team shooting the three ball than that um and the it was you know Juan Toscano Anderson Kendrick Nunn Kendrick Nunn comes into the game shoots a couple of contested threes and it's like dude like what are you doing like that's you're gonna try to get in rhythm and the Lakers also had seven turnovers in the first quarter, so they didn't take care of the ball very well. And the, even though the Blazers aren't the deepest team in the world, Shadon Sharp was pretty impressive. He had a lot of bounce. And, I mean, they, they staggered Damian Lillard and Anthony Simon, so always one of them is in the game. And one thing I really liked also that the Blazers did was Chauncey went to a 2-3 in the first quarter, and he found success because it's like, I'm, you might as well do that. Dare the Lakers to beat you from the outside. And they were struggling immensely with that. So credit to Chauncey. I honestly think they should have gone to 2-3 zone even more, if I'm being real. So I think that's something that other coaches should take, a, take notice of. Second quarter, Lakers still could not make a three to save their lives. You know, Austin Reeves made the only one. It was on the right wing. And it was a four-point play, but nobody else. I mean, Lonnie Walker couldn't hit. You know, LeBron had a couple of nice drives in the quarter. But LeBron, you know, he's really 
struggling to get by guys as much. I mean, the one time he got by somebody today was Yusuf Nurkic, but in the half court, a lot of times he's going to shoot that step back three or run a pick and roll. But if he's in isolation, it's step back three or try to get to the rim and put his shoulder into you. But he's not blowing by guys as much to the point where a secondary defender really has to come because and leave his man wide open on an island. You know, it's easier to play in between because LeBron's not getting that full step by his initial man the same way he used to, and that's fine. I mean, he's 30, he's going on 38 years old, but it's just something that needs to be acknowledged. It's The Lakers don't get as clear-cut of three-point looks. Even though he still creates decent shots for them, enough to, a, to the point where they can be much better than this, they just don't have shooters to knock them down. And I need to talk about Anthony Davis again. I mean, he was just everywhere on defense, man. Everywhere. Everywhere in the entire game is uh, really at times, but in the second quarter, just everywhere on defense, his ability to play two guys at once, his rim protection was just elite. And honestly, Beverly had some nice assists as well in the pick and roll on the drive in the second quarter. And Bev has gotten better each game, in my opinion, for the Lakers. I thought he played better today than any of the first two games. And the Lakers cut it down to seven at the half. But I started noticing in the second quarter, and it continued throughout the game, Russell Westbrook was starting to just be a guy that sits in the corner. You know, just sitting there, not doing much. And it's like, where's his value in that? Because, yeah, he should cut more. And, yeah, he hasn't been too great with the ball in his hands. But I'd say so far this season, he hasn't been awful with the ball in his hands. He hasn't turned the ball over excessively yet, which he did a lot last season. He had zero turnovers today. He's just getting a lot fewer. He got a lot fewer touches tonight. And I just don't think that off the ball he has much value, personally. But that was just the second quarter. The Lakers were 1 of 17 from deep in the, in the first half. And by the way, I mean, Damian Lillard, I've already said it, and I'm going to continue to say it as this episode continues, but that guy is back, like back and just as good as he once was, really. He looks fantastic, <laughs> looks all good. Looks like it was just the injury, you know, that really messed him up last season. But third quarter, you see LeBron go more on the ball, right? More on the ball. You know, you saw one rush drive to the basket, and he made a nice left-handed layup over Jeremy Grant. But other than that, very quiet. You know, his defense wasn't a, sticking out like a sore thumb in a bad way, which was good, which was a lot last season. He was just poor defense. LeBron, average defense in the first half. You know, Nasir Little scored on him a couple of times. But LeBron had some nice takes to the rim early in the third quarter. But it was, again, Anthony Davis doing everything, kickstarting the break with his defense and just being a presence. You know, I like when he catches the ball on the move. If I'm a Laker fan, and he got better touches around the basket. He was found on pick and rolls a lot. He had some nice lobs, put back dunks. He was just everywhere. And I think this is the best start to a season AD has had since the 2019-20 season. He's been really active and much better than the last two uh, years to start the season. But it doesn't really matter because the Lakers are 0-3. Patrick Beverly finally hit from three. He came up the court and transitioned in that third quarter and tied the game, which led to the Blazers calling a timeout. And then you saw another three shortly after that. Lonnie Walker on a nice kick from LeBron, who was posting up Damian Lillard, hit a left corner three. And AD, I mean, I continue with AD. He was just catching lobs, putbacks. But the one thing I have to say about Anthony Davis, and it also applies to Russell Westbrook, why do they feel the need to keep shooting threes? Like, they don't even need to shoot one, in my opinion. People are like, oh, to keep the defense honest. Your percentage is so bad. You don't need to 
spread the floor out to the three to spread the floor. Yeah, it's more spacing. But if AD in AD's case, I mean, it's tough when a point guard can't space the floor. But in AD's case, poaching out to 18 feet or the short corner or something like that is not that bad. That's still spacing the floor a little bit. Yeah, it gives the defense a little bit more time. But I'd rather him take 18 footers with a slightly closer contest on a kick on a catch and shoot, even though nobody spots up in the mid range area anymore. But if it's a much better chance of it going in, I mean, he's not, he shouldn't be taking threes. He's just not a good three point shooter. And the same, even more so, goes for Russ. I know AD can make them on occasion, but I'm just ditching it entirely. Not everyone needs to shoot threes. That's what Charles Barkley says all the time. And I totally agree with him. Not everyone needs to shoot threes, but I digress. Anyway, LeBron, speaking of threes, one of the only guys in the Lakers team that can make them consistently, hit two threes at the end of the third quarter, and the Lakers finally, after two straight games of being outscored in the third quarter that probably, you know, dug them in for the loss, they, I think they probably made it an emphasis. They're going to they're gonna play hard in this third quarter and make sure they win the third quarter, and they did win the third quarter, 35-23. to 23. And so they had a five-point lead going into the fourth and oh boy oh boy 83 78 was the score going into the fourth and what a roller coaster we'd experience in the fourth lebron started out playing great he really grew into this game in the second half he was making good reads in the pick and roll especially when he was putting yusuf nurkic in the pick and roll and and with ad when ad came in and was putting was playing pick and roll with LeBron. Yusuf Nurkic was blitzing, or it doesn't really matter, hedging or blitzing. It can look the same in today's game with the spacing. AD was making good reads in the short roll. He was scoring on rolls. LeBron was finding guys on the wing. And Troy Brown, there was even one really nice play. Troy Brown was his first game as a Laker today and showed some decent stuff on both ends of the floor. But when LeBron got blitzed, he had this nice pass to Anthony Davis and a four-on-three hit the hit. Troy Brown in the dunker spot. See, that's the thing. People always talk about, oh, you need to have five out. Everybody on the perimeter. Not necessarily. On those pick and rolls, it's good to have somebody in the dunker spot for a lob or a a layup. You know, that's actually better spacing than having three guys on the perimeter because then some guys can split the difference a little bit easier. Anyways, LeBron had a beautiful and one with the left hand to put the Lakers up 97-90. And then that's where the controversy begins. Coming off the timeout, I thought the Lakers had it in the bag here. I really did. Coming off the timeout, Coach Darvin Ham takes Troy Brown out of the game and puts Russell Westbrook in. And now that the post-game press conference is over, he's justifying this move by saying, that he did it because it gives them more switchability on defense. But that is total BS because Troy Brown's bigger than Westbrook. And he was playing decent defense. And he was looked like a better fit on the offensive end in this particular lineup. But you feel that pressure of putting that big name on the court. Not having a oh uh, decision to keep Russ on the bench after the game, coach. And having to answer those questions. He thought that they had the lead, they could hold on to it. And he was wrong because immediately what the Blazers did was they put Yusuf Nurkic on Russ and put Jeremy Grant on Anthony Davis. So now, or Justice Winslow, I'm not sure if Justice Winslow was out there late, but it was a bigger wing on Anthony Davis. So now they can switch that pick and roll with LeBron better or hedge it better and Nurkic does not get to be involved in the action. And again, that's the second game out of three where we've seen the center 
Ivica Zubats for the Clippers, and now Nurkic guarding Westbrook because they can back up so much and they're not afraid of him to shoot the ball. It's, it's a really tough look. It's a really tough look. It makes him look like he's just trash. And until he goes to another team, we won't know if he's just really not a good, not a very great NBA player anymore, not even an all-star caliber player, or this fit is just so horrendous for him. Because I'm going to be honest, he does not look happy. He does not talk happy when he's in the press conference. He sounds like he's trying to be professional and not whine and make a big deal out of it, but he does not look like he's having fun out there, sitting in the corner constantly. And then, you know, he's... He try, he's trying to prove himself, but at this point, you can't excuse his play at all. You know, he comes in the game, he's not respected on the three-point line. He gets the ball at the three-point line, and this is right after he came in the game. Shoots a three, and of course he's going to miss. I mean, there was one time, too, where Anthony Davis shot, missed a three off the side of the backboard in the left corner, and Yusuf Nurkic, the second he got into a shooting pocket, Anthony Davis, Yusuf Nurkic turned around and got ready for the rebound. It was like just these disrespectful shots at Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, and it's not disrespectful. I mean, it's disrespectful as a competitor in the NBA. If someone did that to me, it's like, fuck you. Uh, I got a shot. But they don't have three balls, man. And they got to chill out with that. If you're a Laker fan, I mean, if you're not, and you don't care, yeah, they should keep shooting them. But if you Laker fans listening, I mean, I would be like screaming at my TV with these guys. And there was another, the, oh my God, there was a full-on scream at the TV moment coming up, but... The Blazers, you know, they gave him life. Damian Lillard, of course, you know what time it is. Dame time is back, and it was in full effect today. But the Lakers still, with a minute 50 left, were up 102-95. to You thought the game was over. You really did. But the Blazers kept scoring, and the Lakers' last couple of offensive possessions were just atrocious. The ball got out to Patrick Beverly with eight on the shot clock, or seven on the shot clock, and he just jab-stepped away and didn't make a move. Maybe he was tired from the energy he was putting in on defense and pulled up for a contested three over Damian Lillard. No good, and the Blazers come back the other way. Yusuf Nurkic has a putback and cuts it down to one. Come back the other way with the Lakers. Another bad offensive possession. LeBron settling for a sidestep three to his right, which never seems to go in, never, unless he's scorching, scorching hot. That sidestep three that Kyrie Irving made in the finals in game seven, like he tries that and it just, I've always had my, not theory, but it's the thing about LeBron when he's shooting, going to his right. He has, his shot kind of starts from the top of his head towards his left side of his body, kind of. And when he shoots it from his right, he has to kind of move it or twist and open up his body and kick his leg out to get his shoulders squared to the basket. So that left side step back three is, is much more, you know, it's, it's much more high percentage for my eye test with Braun. But that sidestep shit doesn't seem to go in. And I don't know why he took that shot. He misses. And then Anthony Simons had a hell of a bank shot. I think it was over Anthony Davis to make it a 102-101 game. And then the most appalling decision of all. Russell Westbrook with seemingly two-for-one two opportunity. But again, when you're winning a game with 45 seconds or less... When you're winning a game with 45 seconds or less on the clock, you don't look to talk about two for one. You know what I'm saying? You want to hold on to the ball and kill time. Russell Westbrook came up the court with a little pep in his step, and Yusuf Nurkic backed off immensely, and this man shot a jumper wide open mid-range. I was thinking, man, is he going to take that? Is he going to take that? And he took it. Obviously missed long. It looked long the second it left his hand. 
you got to hold on to the ball there. And that's exactly why, and again, this is coming from a Russell Westbrook fan, one of my favorite players of all time and of my life. But Russell Westbrook is not, to me, it's not about his skill level. He's not built to win a championship because mentally he's never figured it out in these 15 years of these type of decisions, late in games. Just no sense of basketball IQ in that at this level, at this level. You know, I'm not saying he has a low basketball IQ, but relative to the other stars, relative to guys that have put up the numbers that he has, it's just, it's insane to me. And that's why as a point guard, you know, my biggest evaluation, that's the, that's the position that I can really talk about because, you know, as I've experienced having been a stubborn kid that only wanted to play point guard at times in my life, you need to be trusted with the ball. At all times. Doesn't matter if it's first fucking quarter or the end of the game. You need to be trusted with the ball. And I, I don't care if you're OKC in his prime, a fan of a fan of OKC when Russell's in his prime, Houston, it, wh- wh- wherever he's gone, he's never been a, very reliable at the end of games. I don't trust him. Is he going to make some heroic shots and clutch plays? Absolutely. Absolutely he is, and he has. I can probably name them off the top of my head. I mean, obviously the one that sticks out, the Denver game in 2017. I mean, he's made a ton of clutch shots. But for every clutch shot, there seems to be a moment in his focus or his decision-making that just makes you go, what the fuck? What are you thinking, bro? Taking an ill-advised three when he's never been good at threes. Taking a shot when it's not warranted. Not going to the best part on his team when it's go time, it's crunch time. You know, playing hero ball. Going too fast when it's time to slow down. These different criticisms of him throughout his career. And this fit is just awful. But when, and, it's, and it's already an awful fit. But he, had, he hadn't done anything in the game today that was insanely detrimental to the team. But he comes in and does that. And then you got to question Coach Ham. Why would you even put him in? And again, it's that pressure of a rookie coach dealing with the media after the game, the Russell Westbrook question. It's just this cloud that's been over this team for the, se- from the second he got traded. And I think we need to just... It's better for both parties if this comes to an end sooner rather than later. The Lakers can get guys to fulfill AD and LeBron's needs. And mind you, as good as LeBron and AD have been and are, I don't know if the AD-LeBron duo with other role players is just going to get it done anymore to win a championship. They'll definitely improve. But I don't think they can win a championship with these two anymore leading the way. I just LeBron's older. Like, you can say what you want, and he he can lead a team far, and I think they could go deep in the playoffs to some degree, maybe. AD's look great, but he's still in the fourth quarter. He took one shot. He took one fucking shot. Like, I was tweeting in the game, like, this is AD taking, like, the reins finally. Like, the first three games of the season, it looks like he's finally taking the reins from LeBron. He's been the best player on the team because of his defensive impact. But LeBron, I get it too, deferring to LeBron at the end of games. Like, I get it. You know, I would be more confident with the ball in Bron's hands than Anthony Davis. But you got to get the ball in the mid-range area or something. You know what I'm saying? Late in the game. You can't just take one shot. You can't just take one shot at the end of the game. Uh, in the fourth quarter, I'm sorry, when you're playing like that. And then so after that shot, Damian Lillard comes back and burns them with a step back three, a contested one over Lonnie Walker. It was incredible. And then Lakers had a chance to tire take the lead. And for whatever reason, Yusuf Nurkic was guarding LeBron on the perimeter. LeBron blew by him super fast. And there was nobody helping. Tied the game. And then Jeremy Grant caught the ball on the right wing. Got, got by the step on LeBron, but I think LeBron was trying to force him into the help, which was Anthony Davis, and AD did not get the block. Jeremy Grant with a really impressive, athletic, tough finish with his left hand, gave the Blazers the lead, and then the Lakers with a chance to tie or win. LeBron caught the ball on the left wing, 
and he was posting up, and we have we did not see more than one post up. I don't think more than two post ups actually from LeBron in this game, which I don't like. I think he should be posting up way more at this age. Catches the ball right in front of the three point line. Turn around over his right shoulder, which he has seemed to get so much better at over the years, but his footwork did not look good on it on this one. And it was short and just another missed shot in the clutch for LeBron in the Laker uniform. It feels like he has not made a big shot in a long time for them in terms of like a game winner, a big game tying shot. But that was it. 106 to 104 in favor of the Blazers. The Lakers blew a seven point lead with two minutes left. It was just catastrophic. Lakers go down to 0-3, Blazers 3-0, and the Lakers' schedule does not get any easier from here. I mean, that was a terrible loss, just just bad. And I'm going to read the lines now. First for the winners, Shadon Sharp played 16 minutes and was 2-for-6 with 4 points. Nasir Little, 7 points, 3 rebounds on 3-for-6 shooting. Drew Eubanks played 13 minutes. He had 4 points. Justice Winslow had 25 minutes. He actually played more than any Blazers bench player. Seven points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block for Justice. And he was plus two, so a solid impact from him. But it was heavy minutes for the starters, all of them 30-plus. Yusuf Nurkic, two for five, six points, 13 rebounds, four assists. He was okay, in my opinion. Anthony Simons had a tough shooting night. He still made some big shots. I don't think they would have won the game without him. But five for 17 from the field, 0 for six from deep, 12 points. Did not have a very good shooting game at all. Josh Hart had played 36 minutes, had nine points. 16 rebounds, though. Five assists. That was a quiet 16 rebounds. And obviously, I've talked about rebounding in the modern NBA so much and all that. But, man, that's a lot of rebounds for a guard. Five assists to go along with it. And then Jeremy Grant, 16 points, two rebounds, one assist, five for 11 from the field, two for three from deep. And then Dame was just a man. 41 points, five rebounds, 15 for 25 from the field. Man, that's 60%. Six for 13 from deep. And weirdly, missed two free throws out of seven attempts. So five of seven from the line. The Blazers shot 37% from three, 10 for 27, 44% from the field. Lakers shot 45% from the field. But again, six for 33 from deep. Just not good enough at all. Need some consistent shooters desperately. In the turnover battle, the Lakers really did a better job cleaning the ball up after the first quarter. It was actually the Blazers who had 19 turnovers in the game, and the Lakers only finished with 13, so that was a pro. But the Blazers outscored the Lakers 28-21 in the fourth. It was tough. The Lakers went 10 deep. Damian Jones got six minutes. He was really average. He had four points on two-for-four shooting. Kendrick Nunn, 10 minutes. Again, short leash. 0 for 3, all three-point attempts. Only one of them was a decent look. He had a donut. So Kendrick Nunn, after that first game against the Warriors, has really just not impressed in his time. Austin Reeves played 19 minutes, was 2 for 5, and the only person on the team that shot a pretty solid percentage from 3, 2 for 4. He made half of his half of his uh, three-point shots. Seven points for him. Toscano Anderson, four points in 20 minutes, 2 for 3. He was pretty quiet today. And then Troy Brown played 22 minutes, the most of any Laker reserve. Four points and four boards for him. Two for seven from the field. 0 for two from deep, though. And then the starters, Patrick Beverly. Only shot three times. They were all threes. Made one of them. Played 30 minutes. I thought he was better today. Had some really good passes in the fourth quarter. Really solid. In the pick and roll, when guys ran him off the three-point line, some nice dimes. He had five assists, seven points, and four rebounds. And he's getting a little better. Need him to hit his threes, though, for sure. And then... Lonnie Walker, another solid performance from him. 15 points, 4 rebounds, 7 for 13. But it would be really nice if you're a Laker fan if he started hitting some threes. 1 for 5 from deep for him. And then 
Russell Westbrook, 4 for 15, 0 for 3 from deep, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, no turnovers though. Then the duo, AD, 22 points and 10 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, 6 blocks, 9 for 17 from the field, the unnecessary 0 for 3 from deep, and 4 for 4 from the line. LeBron, 31, 8, and 8. 12 for 22 from the field. It seems so easy for him to get those stats. It's crazy. Two for nine from deep. He had four turnovers, though. Um, had a decent game overall, though. But, again, means nothing without the win. So, the Lakers are in a tough spot right now. They got the Nuggets on the road next on Wednesday. So, we'll see how that goes. Let's talk about the Clippers, though. Going into Sacramento last night. No Kawhi, no John Wall resting for the game tonight. You knew they were going to load manage back-to-backs. The Sacramento Kings, first chance the Clippers got to look at them with Sabonis. It was, the starting lineup was De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, who they got from Atlanta. Uh, Akpala, KJ Akpala, I believe is his name. KZ Akpala, I'm sorry. And then Harrison Barnes and Sabonis. So pretty small with Harrison Barnes or Akpala at the four. And then Sabonis at the five. And, I mean, I thought the start of the game was pretty even. The Kings led 6-0 after Herter made a tough three and De'Aaron made a three. But Marcus Morris, again, in that first quarter, got the tone set. Tough shots, man. Contested mid-range. Turn around over Herter with some beautiful footwork. Shimmy shake left. Turn back right. It was beautiful. And then a nice floater. High arcing. He was just, he was just awesome. Uh, and a way to start us off. And Reggie Jackson also hit two open threes, and Paul George started out better as well, and he would have a game. But he started out better. His first shot was a three, and it wasn't close. But then his next one was about an eight-footer step back. He knocked it down, and that kind of got him going for the rest of the game. He was much more aggressive getting to the basket. But still too many turnovers in the first quarter for me, if I'm a Clipper fan. I mean, I am. So still too many first turnovers in the first quarter for us. I mean, Norman Powell's make, trying to make some tough shovel passes down low. And Norman, I mean, he's really struggled to start this season. He's trying to force it a little too much. And I've noticed, I, I mentioned in the last episode, he's kind of a foul baiter. He needs to chill and kind of let the game come to him more. And I think that his, he's going to have to just realize he's not going to create as much as he wants and thinks he is on this team. But... A couple turnovers in the beginning. The Kings, you could tell very quickly they were trying to push pace. And they were. De'Aaron Fox was a problem all night in the pick and roll. Just And it wasn't even terrible defense. He's just the way he could weave into that pick and roll. And his floater is so good. And he's so fast. And even when you switch, he's so explosive. He can get by for just easily. But Zoo, you know, again, there was kind of the similar thing as you saw with the Anthony Davis situation where Zubats kind of matched up with Sabonis' minutes. And you thought that he would be taken out of the game, you know five minute six minute mark but he stayed in until the three minute mark so that was a good Zubats again I mean it was just really solid you know just rebounding defending pretty decently finishing around the rim really well and Sabonis I mean he he was he didn't play like a star to me you know he was missed he missed some really easy chippies early in the game and I feel like he kind of got discouraged and was not aggressive. They weren't looking to feed him the ball at all or anything like that as the game went on. But Rashawn Holmes came in the game for DeMontis Sabonis at the six-minute mark, and the Clippers didn't. I thought at that point they would take Zoo out and try to experiment with small ball, but they didn't. You know, it looks like Ty Lue has extended Zoo's minutes a little bit in this um, in this early going of the season. He stayed until the three-minute mark and was very solid um, in drop coverage in the first quarter. And overall, Clippers led the first quarter 29-26. to 
And the bench, you know, that's the good thing about the load management at times is when people load manage, you know you're going to see Amir Coffey. He only played five minutes, though, but Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Rob, Robert Covington, and Nicholas Batum, you know they're all going to play and get solid minutes, and they all did. So that was good to see. Second quarter, you saw Terrence, you saw Luke, you saw Rocco, you saw Nico, and you saw Amir. The thing is, Luke Kennard finally missed a three. As you know, I was hoping he would go 100% from three this season. Obviously, I'm joking, but... He finally missed a three. He was one for three, actually, from deep in the first half. I'm trying to think if he, I don't remember. Yeah, he was one for four in the game. So a rare, poor three-point shooting night for Nuketown. But he still did some good things. And one thing you really noticed about, about Luke is his defense has gotten better each year. You know, he's not getting taken advantage of one-on-one -on -one like that anymore. He's just gotten much better at it. Um, I, didn't think, I don't think Amir Coffey was bad in his five minutes. He did have a bucket. But he only played five minutes, so it's not uh, much to much to go off of. But Nico, much better game from him in this one. Uh, good cuts off the ball. Made his first shot of the game, which was a three on a little pick and pop with Paul George. He was really solid. He played 28 minutes, which was the most of any reserve tied with Luke Kennard. He had seven points, five boards, three assists, two steals, and a block. And was three for three. He was just uh, really good. I didn't know those stats. I mean, he looked... He, that that sounds really good. He, he had a really solid game. He did his Nico thing, and he made a big play late in the game as well that I'm going to talk about in just a second. But one guy that really impressed me from the Sacramento side, the rookie Keegan Murray. It was our first look at him, and he was amazing. Hitting shots in all kinds of ways. Three ball, coming off screens for mid-ranges, one-on-one situations, and was active on defense. And speaking of active on defense, Davion Mitchell. You know what you're going to get from him on that end of the floor. He's physical, kind of has a Drew Holiday-like build in terms of his defensive stature and was really causing some issues. But the guy that was really causing some issues, though, was Paul George with two tough threes before the half. Ivica Zubats doing his thing, but De'Aaron was a problem getting into the lane, and the Kings were up by three at halftime, just showing that they're a much improved team. But the one thing I noticed and knew is that it was going to be a close game, and it was never going to be easy. I don't know why people were telling me, like, Clippers should have beaten them by more. It was a shaky game. Like, no, the Sacramento Kings are not going to be a bad team. They're going to be right in that play-in discussion, and they're not going to be an easy out, especially in Sacramento. So... You know, Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, thankfully didn't kill the Clippers in this game. Malik Monk, it was good to see him, but it was also good to see him if you were a Clipper fan because he was off, and he's going to have those games. Some games where he's going to drop 20-plus, some games where he's going to have a donut like he did in this one in 13 minutes of play. 0 for 4, all shots that he normally makes, or can make, I should say. But the third quarter was another good one for the Clippers. Second straight... Um, game well both games of the season they've been better in the third quarter than the opposing team by a pretty significant amount and this one 34 to 25 and the reason why was if it's a Zubats and Paul George Zoo finishing really well on the roll doing his job around the basket but Paul George was just a walking bucket and the simplest adjustment he made was catching the ball in the mid post not constantly trying to run pick and rolls at the top not constantly trying to dance at the top when he got in isolation he would catch the ball in the mid post post and that way he could literally just turn and face and shoot over somebody he's already closer to the basket so if he takes one or two dribbles he's right at the rim where he can elevate better he can get a foul and his passing from those areas is actually seems better than in the pick and roll because he probably has more experience having done that in indiana because that wasn't i mean the nba was turning into a pick and roll league but like when he was going to the conference finals you still got the ball in isolation in the mid post areas a lot more for your stars that 
you know, a lot of them had that kind of skill set. And Paul has that kind of skill set, which makes it that much more frustrating when he settles so much and constantly wants to dance when he has smaller defenders on him. Because when he has smaller defenders on him, putting the ball on the floor is an, is giving them an advantage and taking away his in ways outside of shooting the ball over the top. But when he can catch the ball in the mid post and shoot the ball over the top without having to even put the ball on the floor... I mean, that changes everything, and I loved it. He was cooking. Like, he was just absolutely cooking amazing footwork around the basket and in that area. It was just beautiful to see. De'Aaron also hitting some shots in the mid-range area on his side. Keegan Murray continuing to hit. And Keegan Murray was guarding Paul George a lot, which was impressive for a guy in his first game guarding one of the most elite players of the generation offensively or one-on-one. Man, you got to give the kid credit. But... One thing I liked in the second half, Norman Powell kind of calmed down. You know, he wasn't forcing it as much and just looking to create. He was playing more off the ball and trying to just take what was take what the defense gave him a little bit more. But the Clippers defended better, obviously, in the third quarter, only allowing 25 points and took a little lead into the fourth. And the fourth was a good one. Pretty back and forth until Robert Covington made two big plays, a dunk after Sabonis closed out hard on the three-point line, and then a steal and dunk, or still in layup, to put the Clippers up 10. And that was the first stretch where the, where the small ball lineup actually looked like it was advantageous for the Clippers because the thing is, as I said in the last episode, when the Clips go small, other teams can switch a lot of screens too, and it forces the guys that can play isolation to play isolation, and not everybody can play isolation. And isolation basketball doesn't always generate good looks unless you're taking guys off the dribble and breaking them down, and that's where John Wall is going to really help the Clippers and why Nor- where Norman Powell needs to be a lot better better but Davion Mitchell after some nice shots in the first half started taking some really ill-advised threes and it was just you know bailing the Clippers out uh the Clippers took uh, the Kings took Sabonis out when the Clippers went to that small ball lineup I also thought Reggie Jackson had some good moments in the fourth quarter too a nice dime I forget to who it was but it was a really nice pass he made oh it was to Paul George I think on a nice cut and that was the thing I liked there was in one moment where Paul George I think it was off a set play but a nice Fake, it was, a, it was a misdirection. It was a pin down for Luke Kennard. And while they were dealing with that action, Paul George was cutting to the basket for a lob. So it was a beautiful, beautifully drawn up play by the coaching staff. Reggie threw a nice pass. And there was another time where he was, I think, shortly after against Rashawn Holmes in the corner and was cooking him and got to the basket for a layup. So a much better game from Reggie. He was much more decisive and not dilly-dallying on the ball and bullshitting as much. I really like the performance from him, and you need that when John Wall is going to be out and obviously Kawhi is going to be out. But Paul George came back in and again started dominating in the mid-post, turned around over to Aaron Fox. There was one on the left side that was just absurd and making some really good passes. And the Kings outside of De'Aaron Fox went cold, and they could not stop Paul at all. And somebody who I thought gave the Clippers good minutes in the second half was Terrence Mann. You saw more of him in this game after only six minutes against the Lakers. He played 15 minutes in this one, and he was guarding, had some good moments defending in the fourth. He had five points and was two for three from the field. And the Clippers, despite the game kind of being a little close at the end, came out with the win. Nico Batum got an offensive rebound on a Paul George missed three that gave the Clippers a second possession. Norman Powell hit the free throw to seal it, and the Clippers go 2-0, get the job in Sacramento, 111-109. to It was a big win for the Clippers, a win that they, I wouldn't say needed, but great to get, especially with the back-to-back today against the Phoenix Suns, and a game which I got to head my ass to very quickly right now um, after this is over. And that means there's no live tonight. It's going to be a vlog. 
first one of the season with Kawhi coming back. But it really sets up the Clippers to go 3-0 and and, you know, go to that 9-1, and 8-2 and mark I set for these first 10 games, taking advantage of this schedule. And I think at Sacramento is actually one of the tougher games Clippers have on the schedule. And they got the job done, and that was because Paul George was a man amongst boys and was the best player on the court. 40 points on 16 for 31 shooting. I love the 31 attempts because he was aggressive and they were in rhythm. He didn't force anything. I loved it. 3 for 10 from 3, so if he could have made one more, that would have been nice. 5 for 5 from the line, 6 boards, 6 assists. He did turn the ball over 4 times, but 40 points will do the job in 39 minutes of play. He was amazing. And you know, I know what people are saying. Oh, it's because Kawhi's not there. Nah, he's, he can do that with Kawhi's there. And he has done it with Kawhi's there in games as well. Let's read the lines of the rest. Uh, Terrence Mann, I already read. Robert Covington played 22 minutes. He was 2 for 3. 8 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Thought he was really solid. Nico, even better with 7 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block on 3 for 3 shooting. Luke Kennard, 11 points. He had some nice moments where they ran him off the line, and he hit a nice mid-range. I mean, Luke Kennard... He doesn't just have the three-point shot. He has some stuff inside the arc as well. Four for 11 from the field for him, even though he was one for four from deep. And then the starters, Reggie Jackson, played 27 minutes, 14 points, five assists, three turnovers, four for five from the field, though, 80%, and made all his threes, three for three. So shout-out to Reggie. Really solid performance from him. Marcus Morris didn't get as many minutes in the second half, but he was really solid in his minutes. Nine points, five boards, no turnovers, on four for seven shooting, and made his only three-point attempt. Norman Powell, though, four points, four assists, three rebounds, but one for 10 from the field and two turnovers. He really needs to be better. And if it's a Zubats, 10 points, 8 rebounds in 24 minutes. Again, if he gets 30 minutes, he's getting a double-double, no question. And one controversial thing that let the Kings back in the game is that Zubats didn't come back in the game. The Clippers stayed with the small ball, but Zubats being in kills some mismatches in terms of for the Kings, or gives the Clippers some mismatches, I should say, and makes them not be able to switch everything on the Clippers late and then he can get offensive rebounds, and he has been good enough defensively so far where I don't think you should worry about him being played off the floor yet, depending on the matchup, and, you know, it was kind of controversial leaving Zoo on the bench, a little dangerous, so we'll see if he adjusts. I think with Aiton on the court in the Phoenix game tonight, it'll be a lot more Zoo. He'll play 30-plus minutes, I could, I could assume. 10 points, 8 boards for him, though, 4 for 7 from the field, a really good start to the season for Zoo, and then Paul George, 40 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and a block. He was awesome. Big win for the Clippers, and that's why I think they should win 60 games. Two down, 58 to go, because even with Kawhi out, John Wall out, they've been here before. They've done this. And Paul George, if he plays like that, I mean, come on. But anyway, that's it for me today, guys. 42 minutes is really long, but it was two games, so 20 minutes each. Thanks for joining me. Let me know what you think. Now to the live subscribers really quickly, because i got to head my ass to Staples Center. Peace out.